Hello, everybody. Welcome to the League of Fans Sports Forum podcast. I am Ken Reed, and I am your host. I'm also Sports Policy Director for League of Fans, a sports reform project founded by Ralph Nader. You can find some of our work at leagueoffans.org. Our mission at League of Fans is to fight for the principles of justice, fair play, equal opportunity, civil rights, safety, and civic responsibility in the world of sports. With the Sports Forum podcast, we try to take a fairly deep dive on a variety of sports issues. For the most part, we'll be talking about issues beyond the games themselves. So with that, let's get this episode started. Hello, everybody. I think we have an interesting and very important podcast episode for you today. The topic is mental health and athletes, in particular college athletes. Our guests, yes, we have two of them for this episode, are the founders of Damn Worth It, a mental health nonprofit organization created to end the stigma around mental health at colleges and universities across the country through the power of sport, storytelling, and community creation. So first off, I'll introduce Nathan. Uh, Nathan, why don't you pronounce your last name? I don't want to butcher it. (laughs) Uh, Broughton. Broughton. Nathan Broughton is a former Oregon State soccer player. He played for the Oregon State Beavers from 2015 to 2019. And during his time at Oregon State, he co-founded Damn Worth It with our other guest, Taylor, is it Richie? Richie? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Richie. Richie, all right. In addition to his work with Damn Worth It, Nathan worked for several years at the Nike World Headquarters. Taylor is a former Oregon State gymnast. She competed for the Oregon State Beavers from 2013 to 2017, and she co-founded Damn Worth It with Nathan while she was active at Oregon State. In addition to her work with Damn Worth It, she is in her final year of medical school at the University of British Columbia in Canada and plans to pursue a medical career as an orthopedic surgeon. So welcome, Nathan and Taylor. I'm glad you guys could join us. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. I really can't tell you how much I admire what you two started at Oregon State while still athletes. And for the listeners, the name Damn Worth It is a play on Oregon State's nickname, which is the Beavers. But it also speaks to a deeply held belief that they both have that everyone has worth beyond their performance and accomplishments on the athletic field of competition. Am I close on that? Perfect. All right. Well, let's start by setting the stage a bit regarding the mental health issue in college sports. I recently saw a University of Michigan study where only 10% of athletes with mental health struggles reach out for help compared to 30% of college students in general. And I think that's part of the sports culture that says admitting any mental health challenge is a sign of weakness. The the mantras in sports seem to be suck it up and be tough. And we'll, we'll address some of those things as we go along here. Another study revealed that 63% of college student athletes reported having had an emotional or mental health issue that affected their athletic performance in the four weeks prior to the survey. Excuse me. Um, And at least five student athletes died from suicide the last few months of the last uh, college school year. So we obviously have a challenge here. Uh, and that's exacerbated by the, the pandemic we went through when, when students and student athletes were kept apart for a large part of the time, classes were canceled, it was all done online and that 
made things worse. What, why, before we get into the mental health issue, I want to learn a little bit about your start in sports and, and why you got started in sports. Taylor, what was your beginning? Yeah, oh my gosh. So I started gymnastics when I was four years old, which is a very long time ago now. And honestly, I was a very uh, active kid, perhaps a little too active. I originally was put in several sports, one of which was ballet. And I'm pretty sure that my ballet instructor told my mom that I should be put into gymnastics because as the rest of the class was doing their plies and standing still, I was running laps around them in the, in the ballet studio. Um, so I ended up starting gymnastics with, with a friend of mine um, and that friend did it for maybe a year or so, but I just got hooked. So started when I was four, absolutely loved it. So did it for about 18 years and it led me to Oregon State, which um, ultimately I think was one of the biggest influences on my life. So very grateful for the sport. So you didn't really do other sports even when you were younger? So I did uh, several sports. I did gymnastics was my main one. And then um, I did softball for quite a bit. And then I also did um, track and field for quite a bit as well. But gymnastics, it's a very interesting sport where you have to commit to the sport if you want to do it at a high level for a very long time um, at a very early age. So by the time you're six, seven years old, you're training about 25 to 30 hours a week. So um, I think it was around 10, 11 years old where, you know, both coaches and the different sports that I was in said time to make a decision. And ultimately, uh, gymnastics was the one that I chose. Well, it paid off for you going to college. But did you have any burnout at any time through that career? Yeah, I think that, you know, gymnastics is a very beautiful sport, but at the same time, it's a very tough sport on your body um, and your mind as well. Um, so throughout my career, I would say that my body definitely took a toll. I had several injuries and I had surgery. Um, and I think when you're going through that and you're going through that at a pretty young age, it definitely takes a toll on you. And um, especially when you're, you know, I would more so say when I was younger and I was absolutely obsessed with the sport, when I had an injury that took me out for a little bit, then it played a huge toll on that mental burnout because I wasn't able to train and, and compete. But um, I would say that uh, overall, I was definitely a I love gymnastics kid. And there were times where it was tough and it was hard. But um, overall, I really enjoyed it for, for most of the years that I did it. And I think college athletics too is a very different climate than elite gymnastics when you're competing at, at that elite level um, where it's you know a lot less toxic it's a lot more encouraging and there's limits on how many hours you train and you're doing it more in a team atmosphere versus an individual one so you know hitting 18 and moving down to the states and getting to compete at Oregon State was kind of this perfect perfect timing and perfect way I would say to end off the career in the sport. Excellent. Okay, Nathan, how about you? You ended up playing soccer at Oregon State, but what was your first start in sports? Yeah, um, I loved sports. I was, especially when I was young, I pretty much did all of them. Um, my parents were my parents were awesome, and I owe so much to them. And when I was a kid, they were just very enthusiastic about me, caring a lot about school, about academics, but they were also really passionate about getting me involved in as many things as they could. So growing up, I played pretty much every sport under the sun. I played flag football, basketball, soccer, obviously. Um, pretty much the only sport I missed was baseball. Um, never got into that, played hockey for a while. And then 
over time, actually, I didn't ever start out playing soccer. I started playing soccer with a group of friends from elementary school. And they were just, they had joined like a local club and kind of encouraged me to join. And pretty quickly and naturally just kind of fell in love with the sport. I think the love of it came a lot earlier than me becoming, you know, decent at it. So I went out to just play with friends and um, be around them. And pretty quickly, I was just like obsessed with it. I would play in my backyard and, um, you know, do all kinds of things with like neighborhood friends and just people on the street. I was always bothering them to come play soccer with me. So pretty quickly and naturally soccer became kind of the only sport in my life. I obviously kind of dug into it and just loved it, played it, um, every chance I could, um, my parents probably drove them nuts. How many things I broke in the house, just kicking the ball around. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I got started in, in soccer, at least. Okay. So you're both at Oregon state, you overlap a little, but you were there for a couple of years at the same time competing. Tell us how you met and how damn worth it, uh, evolved and, and why you guys created damn worth it. Yeah. Um, Tay and I, we were, we did overlap for several years while we were at Oregon state and we did, we knew about each other. The athletic community at Oregon state isn't too big. There's about 500 student athletes. And so I knew Taylor's name and I had seen her around. I see her around all the facilities, but to be honest, Tay and I had never truly really interacted. Um, we, both had gone through experiences that I'm sure that we'll dive into later in the podcast where we talk about, um, we both had similar experiences with losing teammates to suicide. And I remember one day we had come up, Taylor at the time was the president of our uh, SAC committee, which is student athlete advisory committee. And I had started coming to some of the meetings. And one day afterwards, we kind of ended up talking about mental health and kind of talked about going and grabbing some coffee so we went out and grabbed some coffee. Originally, we were just going to kind of talk about mental health. It was going to be a half hour conversation, maybe. Um, and by the end of coffee, we had like been there for like three or four hours and we pretty much shut the coffee place down. And we basically put pen to paper at that coffee chat of what Damn Worth It is and kind of the backbone of Damn Worth It. And so the very next day, we went down and plopped our like little we ended up laminating this like 12 or 13 page document and we dropped it down on uh, a couple of members of our athletic department's desk like the very next day and talked about how this was something that we wanted to do. We wanted to create a peer led mental health campaign at Oregon State. And that was really the start of Damn Worth It. Oh, that sounds uh like an awesome thing that evolved from something terrible to have, to be in a pressure packed situation and then to lose teammates to suicide must be very, very tough. Uh, Taylor, you want to add anything to that and, and then talk about some of the pressures that you think college athletes face that other students might not? Yeah, well, I think Nathan did a really great job at explaining kind of the story and the backbone of, of how we got there um, and to how we got started with damn worth it and I think you know another piece of it for both of us is if you look back a few years ago when we were competing as student athletes at Oregon State um, 
even though Nathan and I didn't know each other very well until we started Dan Work, that we were very similar. Um, sometimes we joke about how I'm the female version of him and he was the male version of me because you look back at us and we were both um, on athletic teams. We were both team captains. We were both very heavily involved in a lot of leadership opportunities around Oregon State. And um, we both were excellent students. So we both, I think, also held on to this um, kind of image and this image of perfection that we both wanted to uphold. And um, when we both lost our teammates to suicide, I think that was a whole other barrier that him and I both faced as well, which was, you know, trying to uphold this image of us wanting to be okay and to have everything be okay. And in reality, you know, our worlds were crumbling around us. And so I think it was, I think it was a shock for our athletic department when we walked into their office and we said, you know, we're two leaders in your athletic department community and we are both really struggling when it comes to our mental health and, and we need supports and our peers and our colleagues um, need support as well. So um, I think, you know, being a student athlete and I'm sure we'll dive into it a little bit more, um, being an athlete in general, holds a lot of pressure um, on the field and off the field. Um, and you face that in addition to kind of these traumatic events and events that are outside of your control. And it can just culminate to this um, to this moment or this um, period in your life where you, you do really struggle with mental health. And I think that was a place that Nathan and I both found ourselves back in 2016, 2017, before we started Damn Worth It. Well, that's very interesting. And you mentioned perfectionism and and I found in a lot of the work and research I've done and just coaching myself that elite athletes are often elite and other aspects of their lives as well this uh, sense that we have to be perfect at everything we do whether it's school or sports or in the community or whatever it's obviously good in some ways but to have to be perfect in everything you do and if you're not, you're worthless to some degree is a terrible place to be. And studies have shown that perfectionism has been shown to, through research to be a strong factor in suicides. You, you guys from the very start have addressed this perfectionism issue and mental health and in athletes. Absolutely. Um, there is definitely a pressure. And I think when you wake up every day, um, with the expectation to perform at your best and you go to a place, especially like Oregon state where every single person that was there was the best in their state was the best on their team. And you all come together. There is a pressure to be perfect. And I think Tay talks about it really beautifully when she talks about gymnastics, because that's a sport that's like literally a matter of inches, centimeters in terms of like what makes a perfect routine and what doesn't. And so that transcends across all kinds of sports. And so it, there's this idea that like, and especially athlete mentality of, we want to be perfect all the time and we want to kind of portray this image. And I think for a long time, student athletes and athletes in general um, felt like they couldn't kind of talk about mental health because that would be admitting that they're not perfect, that they're not achieving the standards that they want. And I think over time that conversation has started to switch. We've seen people like Simone Biles, and countless others talk about mental health and really talking about how mental health is incredibly important to being a human, but it's also incredibly important to being an athlete. And if you can really work on your mental health in a way that feels healthy, it's also going to impact your performance. So these are things that we've talked about from the very, very beginning of Damworth It and we'll continue to talk about for uh, the rest of Damworth It's journey. 
I think it's really important. You touched on Simone Biles, but in the last couple of years, it's been so powerful to have top athletes like her and Michael Phelps and Kevin Love in the NBA. And there's been several others that have come out and said, you know, sometimes I struggle mentally or I've gone through these mental struggles and that never used to happen. You'd never saw that when I was growing up that elite athletes would do that. And so that put more pressure on athletes at the college high school level to keep things bottled up. But I think it's, it's very powerful that these top athletes are now coming out and being advocates for mental health. Don't you guys? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really interesting in that, you know, another piece I think that we experience as a student athlete or professional athlete is you join a team of, you know, up to 20, sometimes even more when you're looking at sports like football, um, of these athletes, but there's only a certain number of athletes that actually get out onto the field or get to compete in the lineup for a sport like gymnastics. So, you know, when you're on a team of 20 individuals that are fighting for six to 12 spots to actually play in the game, there's this whole other pressure and barrier of saying, you know what, if I admit that I'm struggling with mental health, maybe my coach isn't going to put me in, or maybe my team won't trust me if I'm put in because they know I'm struggling. And I think it's really powerful when you see someone like Simone Biles, who, you know, arguably, arguably by everyone is the best gymnast that has been known to history and has the most Olympic gold medals in the sport of gymnastics. And you have someone like her admitting to, to struggling with mental health, but also seeing her excel in the sport shows that it's possible to, to deal with both your mental health, but perform still at a high level. Yeah. I'll say too, just in terms of like, we, Tay and I talk about this a lot when we would go and speak at different schools. We would say um, your story, when you hold on to it, it can only help or hurt you. But when you share it with others, it has the power to impact and influence others. And so vulnerability like really does create this connection. And so as we've seen stu our student athletes and professional athletes really talking about these things, we've seen like a ripple effect of other people saying like, you know, I've been struggling with this for years. I just didn't know where to go to talk about it. I didn't know that other people were feeling this way. So it's been really cool to see the ripple effect of especially like really influential athletes like that. They're saying, well, if she can do it, like I can go and talk about this. I can go and talk about this to my teammates, to my coach. So it has been this like cool ripple effect of people starting to talk about it and feel like they can be vulnerable, which is just helping other people do the same. Yeah, I think you're touching on something that I found really cool and looking at your website and reading your articles about what you're doing and uh and that's that you seem to have a, a damn worth it a mantra that seems to say it's okay not to be okay and you really stress the importance of vulnerability and it's healthy in fact it's not only just okay it's healthy to be vulnerable is is that a key aspect of what you guys are doing yeah, absolutely. I think in, in all those uh, talks that Nathan and I have given, one of the lines that, that both of us say is that um, initially we felt that vulnerability was weakness. And the story we reference with this is we both went to counseling, we went to therapy when we were student athletes at Oregon State. And initially we used to hide our backpacks that said our sport on them in the bushes or in our cars before going into counseling because we didn't want other people to know that us as athletes were going in there um, but eventually we we came to realize that vulnerability is not weakness vulnerability is truly strength and eventually both got to that point of walking into the therapist's office with our student athlete backpacks and um 
I think that those moments for both of us um, have really created, like you said, this mantra of we truly believe that it's okay to not be okay. And sometimes feel that people just need to hear that statement. Yeah, I do think too, like, and we talk about this a lot. I talk about this a lot in terms of masculinity. Like we've seen, it's really difficult, especially in hyper-masculine sports, like football, for example, for people to talk about it because we've grown up in a society that felt like men couldn't show their emotions, that they had to be strong and whatever you were dealing with, you just had to bottle it up. Um, And I think slowly over time, and this is something that I really preach when I talk about this, especially to other male student athletes or males just in general, is vulnerability, like Tay said, is strength and talking about your emotions and asking for help is not just strong, but it's healthy and it's a healthy way to really reframe the way that we as males view this term of masculinity. And so I think we're slowly starting to see a shift and we're seeing like football players uh, talk about this all the time. Um, And it's just becoming more and more prevalent, which is such a, such a huge thing in terms of the way that we define masculinity today. Exactly. And this machoism thing and and men's sports, boys sports has been a problem. You know, I, I take it back to Vince Lombardi and the old Green Bay Packers coach who, you know, military kick him in the butt, Bobby Knight, that kind of thing suck it up, be tough, don't be a wimp kind of stuff. And it's really set back mental health, um, especially for male athletes for a long time, because it's created this stigma that you can't be a top athlete if you have any mental mental health challenges. And that's the stigma we have to get over. Um, we've talked some about you know elite athletes like Simone Biles coming out as a way to help get over this stigma. But what other ways do you guys see that this mental health stigma or stigma about talking about mental health uh, among athletes can be knocked down to size? Yeah, I think, you know, a big thing for for us and with the work that we do with Damn Worth, it is trying to make talking about mental health a daily conversation um, and a regular thing that's being talked about. Um, And when we go into schools and we bring Damn Worth It to those schools, we have those schools putting on Damn Worth It sporting games essentially almost every month. And the purpose of those sporting games is to try and do just that, to bring the uncomfortable conversation of mental health into this comfortable atmosphere of sports and create an avenue and a consistent avenue for people to be made aware of mental health and and feel comfortable hopefully talking about mental health. So I think that regular and daily conversation um, and bringing it into the world of sports has been our big way of trying to, to break down this stigma. Yeah, I think too, like we, we talk about it in our, oh, sorry. We talk about it in our mission statement where we say like community creation is like the core to what we do. Um, And I think that's so cool to see, especially at places like Oregon state, for example, where we're, we're having all these events. And because of these conversations that are happening more and more, we're seeing it like disseminate down into locker rooms where like, you know, my personal example is always like when I was a senior on at OSU, we were having like mental health coffee chats, like with our teammates and like just going and checking in. And like, that was something that never happened. So it's like the small daily interactions that create this community. That's just like, it's an expectation to care about and think about your mental health rather than something that feels taboo or cliche of like working on these things, especially as a team. That's awesome. But, uh, you know, not every team's going to have someone like you on it to get that going. I think a big part of it 
is if we get to coaches and the coaches early on on the team set the standard, like it's okay, we're going to talk about mental health here because historically coaches and sport trainers have focused almost exclusively on the physical aspect. Excuse me. Okay, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, and, and so I think if we get to the coaches and trainers and administrators and it will ease the process of uh, breaking down the barriers about talking about mental health. Uh, if a coach has his, his or her first practice and says, this is part of who we are as a family, we're gonna open up and be vulnerable to each other. It sure makes it a lot easier uh, for all the athletes to open up. Absolutely. So sports psychology is actually a growing field and more popular, but what I see in looking at sports psychology is that it's at the pro and college level, it's primarily about, okay, how do we focus on motivating athletes better and have them visualize their performance better? And it's all performance, performance, performance. And that's part of sports psychology. But I think what's missing in a lot of cases is uh, psychology professionals that would talk to athletes about what else is going on in your life with relationships, with academics, whatever the case might be, because that obviously impacts your performance as well. But I don't see that a lot of that going on in your work. Have you seen sports psychology, especially at the college level, open up more to factors outside the, the playing field, the court? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And, you know, I can only speak to my time right now as a student athlete at Oregon State, um, which was several years ago. But I think, you know, you bring up a really good point of that. When an athlete or any individual is struggling with their mental health, there's, there is definitely the sport aspect of it. And I think of, um, you know, in gymnastics, gymnastics is a scary sport sometimes. So there's the actual fear of, of gymnastics and what you're doing or the fear of failure when you're competing um, or the fear of getting injured. But then at the same time is, you know, you look at your teammates that are walking through the door and you have no idea necessarily what they're experiencing outside of their sport when it comes to things like relationships, um, personal health issues, family relationships, school stresses. Um, and I think that, you know, one of the great things at Oregon State is that we do have a, a sports psychologist or sports counselor that um, I personally saw and Nathan personally saw and this individual, you know, it wasn't just focused on sports, it was focused on what's going on in your life. Um, and how can we address the things going on in your life so that you can then focus more on what you need to do in training or on the competition floor, because it's all interrelated. When you take care of your mental health, your, your mental performance exceeds and, and does much better. So it's very interrelated at Oregon State. I can speak to the counselor that I saw and he was amazing at that, but I truly don't know necessarily at other schools what they're doing but I think that's a really valid point yeah I think a lot of coaches are fine bring in the sports counselor the sports psychology professional as long as that if you can get them to be more focused and motivated on the field and increase their performance but I think it has to be a well-rounded thing like you just touched on Taylor about you know the, the holistic development and holistic situation with athletes not just when they walk into the locker room and then go out on the field of competition. 
if you guys, I know um, one of the cool things is that you guys have been so successful that you got a grant to kind of take your program across the Pac-12, maybe the Pac-10 now, unfortunately, but <laughs> uh, tell us about uh, how you've expanded beyond the Oregon State campus, starting with the Pac-12 and then, and then beyond. Yeah. Um, that was really exciting, to be honest. Uh, Tay and I had never written a grant before, and so it was a interesting journey getting there. And we were very honored. Um, I believe it was the we were the first undergraduate students to get a a grant application uh, successfully done. And so we took that and we basically we did a whole big speaking tour of the Pac-12. And our original intention was to go across the Pac-12 and give speeches and give talks to their athletic departments, both the faculty and the students. And we also were going to do a mental health survey. And so we surveyed um, a thousand plus people on this like idea of the, of how they were doing with their mental health, which is still something that we take a lot of pride in. But once we actually went on this tour, we, we figured out that there was a lot of interest from schools not only in what we were doing, but in the idea that they wanted to start something like that at their campus. And so it was kind of that big speaking tour that happened back in 2018, 2019, that kind of spurred Taylor and I to start to think of Damworth in a much bigger sense. And this was something that we eventually realized could be replicated at other schools. Sure. And so we basically took all of that information and we became a nonprofit corporation back in November 2020 with the whole idea of saying, well, we've created this at Oregon State, but now we want to start to take this across the country because we both believe that having something like Damworth at your school is going to be incredibly beneficial. So now as a nonprofit, you know, we financially support um, our branches through our generous donors. And we do a lot of partnership work to make sure that the people on our branches are educated and are provided resources. And so it was really that PAC-12 grant that was the catalyst for us thinking beyond Oregon State and thinking beyond just impacting the students in at that university. And so we've started to take it kind of across the country, which is been really exciting and it's been really cool to see the impact that we've been able to make in a, a bunch of different universities across the country. So if there's a college athlete out there listening and said, man, this would be sure something great to have at, at my campus. How do they go about that? How, how do they reach you? And then what's the next step? Yeah, so it's pretty easy. We've got um, on our website, which is just damnworthit.co. Uh, one of the first buttons you'll see on our website is learn more about starting a branch. And so we have requests from athletic department staff, student athletes, community members, um, where they fill out a quick form of where they're coming from in terms of their university, why they want to start a damn worth it branch. And then we receive that form and then our team takes it from there. And um, like Nathan was mentioning is we've got a lot of great donors and partnerships that really reduces a lot of the barriers for schools to start damn worth it branches. So starting a damn worth it branch comes at zero costs for every school that wants to join. Um, so, you know, just go onto our website, fill out a form, and then our team will take it from there. And um, we've got a lot of new branches that are going to be starting this upcoming year. So um, there's a pretty awesome damn worth it family that's that's going to be running in the 2022-2023 academic year. 
But have you done any reaching out to athletic directors or, or marketing that way, or is it all student-driven, grassroots-driven from the from the athlete up? Yeah, it depends. We um we do get a, a lot of requests from faculty members. Um, at the end of the day, we've always talked about how it's really important that this is student-led. Um, so we do need buy-in from the students and the student athletes, uh, but it also is in partnership with the athletic department. And Tay and I have always been very thankful for the Oregon State Athletic Department for supporting us. So whenever we go to new schools, it's always in partnership with the athletic department and the faculty there. And that usually does involve having conversations with some of the athletic directors at those schools. We've even had um, conversations with like their head sports uh, counselors or their head sports uh medicine folks and so it really is this collaboration between the student athletes because at the end of the day it is run and operated by them uh, but it's always in partnership with the athletic department and a lot of the faculty there which has been a really cool partnership to see okay um apart from the damn worth it chapters you're starting just in terms of advice say there's a high school athlete out there even who's struggling with mental health challenge what would you think the first step should be for them in, in getting that addressed? Yeah, so um, we have a couple different avenues for, for individuals that are going to be starting up in the, the new academic year in the fall. But I think the first thing is, is that we on our website have a resource page. Um, and that resource page is not exhaustive, but it has a lot of the big national mental health resources that are available to um, everyone across the United States. So I think that's kind of the first thing I would say is go onto our website and if they're struggling to hit that resources tab and, and take their pick from the resources we have listed for them to personally receive help um, from mental health professionals and mental health professional organizations. I think that's a great step. Um, but for individuals that perhaps, you know, have their story and their journey with mental health and want to be involved in Damn Worth It, we've got a really exciting program launching in the fall, which is Damn Worth It Ambassadors. So it's really the concept of Damn Worth It branches at universities, which consists of a group and an organization um, and just brings it to an individual level. So those individ individuals that want to be ambassadors for Damn Worth It, um, that will be an opportunity coming in fall of this year. That's awesome. Well, so one more time, give your, uh, your website address. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, so our website. Oh, sorry. Uh, it's www.damnworthit, so D-A-M worth it dot C-O. All right. That's awesome. Well, can't say enough about how impressive it is for you guys, as young as you are, to have started something like this. And hopefully within this decade, every college campus in the country will have uh, a branch of Damn Worth It. Uh, I want to thank you guys for your time today. You're doing terrific stuff. Keep it up. And uh, for our listeners, you know, if you're hurting, talk to someone, anyone, find someone you can be open with. You'll discover that people want to help and are actually drawn to vulnerability, not turned away by it. So it's okay not to be okay. And until next time, this is Ken Reed, Sports Policy Director for League of Fans, asking you to do what you can to positively impact the world of sports in your area of influence, no matter how small it might be. We'll talk to you again next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of League of Fans Sports Forum Podcast. 
If you would please take a few moments to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, it would be appreciated. You can follow Sports Forum and get information about episodes on Facebook at Sports Forum Podcast. And be sure to go to LeagueOfFans.org to find some of our latest work on contemporary sports issues. Until next time, take care.